Report. I'm Leanne. And I'm Al. And we're back again. Well, as we are every week. Usually. Not always <laughs> on time, but usually. <laughs> Quite often these episodes are a bit like, oh shit, we've not done the intro and outro for our interview and it's due to go live this afternoon, so... Um, that's not the case with this one, obviously. No, not with this one. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, so with this is part one of two episodes all about how to make money abroad. Now, we notice a lot of questions from you, our listeners, and from other people on other forums about how you can make money living and working abroad. There's, I mean, there's kind of, it seems to me there's three ways of doing it, Leah, mm-hmm. which you've done one, I've done the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one, am I right in thinking that you that you basically take your existing job and then you do that remotely? Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. It is, yeah. That's how I started. And we'll talk about that in a second. The second one is having a freelance business, um, which is what I did. Third one is starting a business. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You're a remote worker, you're a freelancer, or you're an entrepreneur. Or if you're lucky enough, you have uh, investments that pay for your life. But Well, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? But <laughs> There's not too many. If you've many... got that, you're not asking the question how you make money live and live abroad, that's are you? That's a really good point. You wouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be go listening this far. To this. No. Um, so uh, let's just talk quickly. And by the way, if we are talking about investments to live off, then there's certainly with Portugal, uh, there's a 10% tax on pensions. And I think it's a similar, don't quote me, but I think there's a similar if you earn royalties or rental from somewhere else. So if you are if you are lucky enough to be earning money on your money, then you kind of got a choice of wherever you want to live because lots of places are very tax efficient. Yes, definitely. I think Cyprus is another one that's very good for that. Greece, potentially. There's there's lots of options if you are living off of investments or a pension. However, that's probably, if you're listening to this this far, it's probably not you. So let's talk about those main three, which is, number one, you work remotely. Number two is you're a freelancer, so you work remotely in a job. Number two, you're a freelancer. Or number three, you start your own business. Now, what's interesting is that um, is that our guest today, Will Brutton, um, has kind of done almost all three of those. Uh, well, he's done, definitely done two of them, and his lovely partner, Alice, has done the third now, we've not got Alice on the interview, but Leanne's going to talk a little bit next week about how she basically took her job and took it to Spain. And then they flew her back every month um, to do her job back in Manchester. It with- sounds very glamorous, but it was only wearing air, so not <laughs> But you did get to meet. You were sat next to, who's that chef you sat next to? I sat adjacent to him. Mm-hmm. Next to would be inflating the story slightly. But yes, <laughs> on the same flight from... Uh, Newquay in Cornwall to London Gatwick was Rick Stein, mm. celebrity chef, mm-hmm. and children's TV presenter off the 90s, our friend Stephanie's favourite person in the world, <laughs> Andy Peters. <laughs> anyway, that's enough name dropping. We will talk more about how Leanne uh, did that next week. So this time, so we're talking to Will. Um, the key things we've got, uh, we're, we're talking a lot because obviously I was the one who interviewed. Well, not obviously, you don't know that yet, but I was the one who interviewed Will. Um, and some of the key takeaways we got from this interview was, um, or were, that number one is he doesn't, he first of all, he, does, he doesn't set anything in stone. He's like, I'm going to try this for a year. Like, do you, do you remember him telling us about um, he went to do a job in a yachting magazine where he went into an office and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and he said, "I didn't say I'm now working for a company in the UK and I'm not traveling." He said, "I'm going to try it for a year." 
And if I don't like it, then I'm going to do something else, which is really cool. Yeah, and I think that's, we've talked about this before, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket, not moving abroad and saying, right, this is me forever, because you never know what's going to happen. You never know how you're going to feel. Um, and I've heard that before, actually. There's a, there's a really great podcast for anyone who is interested in uh, any, any females out there or male allies in terms of the feminist movement and are interested in applying that to a nomad lifestyle. There's a great podcast called Nomad and Spice. And one of the presenters of that actually took up a job at, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say it because she didn't say it, but a very, very famous technology company who is very well known, lots of zeros, fancy offices in the London town. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went to work there for, I think, six, 12 months. I was like, it was cool, but no. And I think that's it. You just have to try it sometimes. Go back, see what fits, see what can still work, see what doesn't. Just be open-minded, I think. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key to everything is, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the key to everything is that if you are going to start on this journey, then see it as a journey. You see it as that that you, you're going to go like we're living in Croatia at the moment for a year. We might not renew or apply again and stay in Croatia next year. We might go somewhere else. Um, when, we went, when we went traveling, we were like, okay, we're going to go to Montenegro for four days. And that's it. And if we love it, then we'll stay. But if we don't, then we'll carry on driving. And I think it's really important just to have this sort of, this outlook that you're not making this life change and committing to something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a, it, it is an adventure. We've spoken, spoken to a lot of people that will use that word and it's an adventure. Um, and yeah, without being too corny or making a t-shirt, it's about <laughs> the journey, and not the destination. <laughs> We should definitely do T-shirts. <laughs> okay. Merch. Oh, should we do some Sideways Life merch? If you're listening to this and you want some Sideways Life merch, send us a message on Instagram just with the word merch wanker. Narrator, nobody sent a message. <laughs> nobody wanted a Sideways Life Okay, so we've got Will Brutton here. Um, he's, this is a bit of a strange one because we had Will in our house. Will and his lovely girlfriend, Alice, uh, they looked after our dog about four years ago. Uh, got really, really interesting life, really interesting story. What we mainly want to talk today about Will is, or what to talk to Will about is um, about how he makes money while he travels. Now, I'm going to ask him a little bit more about where he is now, and he's going to tell you a little bit how that's going on. Uh, but before we crack on, then welcome Will. Hello, Will. Hi. Okay, so we, I know we're pressed for time here, so I just want to get straight in there. So can you give us a little sort of 60, 90 second history of what you've done over the last, say, seven, eight years of your, of your life? Um, well, I was working uh, when I graduated uh, in London briefly um, and uh, needed a mechanism really to travel and work. I, I realized that very quickly. Um, and so after about a year and a bit, um, I decided to learn to sail and the idea of that was uh, I'd never never sailed when I was younger but it was a mechanism to work and travel and um, since then I've used that um, to find uh, contract employment, part-time employment um, but all of it's been kind of basically freelance and I, I've never worked for the same person for longer than about a year and a half at the outside I think that's the longest stint I've done. Um, and then uh, I kind of had an interest in writing, so I started writing about sailing, and that became another stream of income. And uh, so I, whilst I was sailing, I was also writing about it for, for yachting magazines. 
uh, in the UK. Um, and uh, then there was a brief interlude where I worked for a magazine for a year to try it back in the UK, full-time, normal employment. Uh, I said I'd try it for a year. I did. It was fascinating. I learned a lot, but it wasn't for me, and I went back to freelancing. Um, and uh, and now I've also started a small uh, sort of side hustle business which publishes books uh, for, for, the, for the yachting industry and for aviation, uh, for the aviation sector. So it's kind of been a blend of several things. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it's been the mechanism to travel and work. I think this is quite common um, when you talk to someone who is location independent, which is a fancy name for, uh, well, we don't really use the word nomad necessarily, digital nomad, because some people are expats, some people, digital nomads can be anything who travel with their car to a backpack, whatever. But one of the themes seems to be flexibility and <clears throat> you're giving up what what you're gaining from the travel and experience is that you're giving up the potential stability and job progression you might have in the UK. So tell us, how did you feel about about that sort of sacrifice? Um, I, I think for me, it was perhaps easier than it than it is for a lot of people that are, are preparing to take that first leap. Um, I, I I wasn't very unhappy, but when you're in a position in conventional work and it's and if you've got that the strong pull away from it, then th- when that pull becomes so strong, you just go, you just go. <laughs> and that maybe might, that might seem a little bit blind. And there were, there have been multiple times where, um, I paid quite a big price in instability. Income has dropped and things like that. And you, you are kind of bootstrapping your way through to the next, the next thing. Um, but that's a sacrifice I've been prepared to make, and I've got better at finding systems to make it more stable as time goes on. And I also think that over the past seven or eight years that I've done that, conventional employment has become far more, far less stable than it was seven or eight years ago anyway. So I, I, I feel a little bit safer doing what I'm doing than a lot of people that I know that are in a, a normal job actually now. Um, yeah, because I've got that, that flexibility and I can draw on one income stream and then another to bring together enough to pay the bills. Yeah. So tell me when you're, without revealing any commercially sensitive stuff, then um, how is it you find these freelance gigs and, and the streams of income? Well, with, with, with sailing, the industry um, is a proper industry. And you find that there's a lot of people, or I found quite quickly that there was a lot of people, at first I was seeking anything, any kind of contract, any kind of um, to get me in there and get it, build a CV, basically. It's in like a normal form of employment. Um, but as soon as I got into that, I realized that the work was seasonal. And once I built a little bit of a profile, I was happy to take stuff that was not long-term, whereas the majority of people were desperately seeking security, as, even though it's a saving industry, just like they would in normal employment, because everyone has that degree of fear to a greater or lesser extent. I was able to use it to, to pitch and pivot between different jobs and move with the seasons and then also get back the time. So I'd use the time that I had to, to travel and enjoy myself <laughs> as well. Um, so that, that was, that's kind of an industry um, with networks and people and uh, it's, it's quite um, close-knit. And so it's the normal word of mouth type thing. Um, and then with writing, it was about breaking into another industry using the, the time that I had and the flexibility from the sailing to be able to do more than other people would be able to do with a conventional job to start getting one 
little drip feeding art of articles into the into the yachting press um and and that was a lot of work um looking back on it the amount of failure to success the ratio was pretty shocking and i think you've got to be pretty pretty resilient to to kind of get to the point of making a breakthrough and then building upon that breakthrough and i'm not a natural networker at all doesn't come easily to me to kind of network in the conventional sense um and um but i i I, it's kind of a craft and i i I realized that that's what i enjoy doing and when you get your and then you you start to make a a few inroads um and again that was another quite small network you know sailing writing about sailing is quite a small thing um small um you know group of magazines and people involved in it um and um and then i I did i did do a year of full-time work at a a sailing magazine as an interlude um which was an experiment and it was a good experiment and it was a that was a way of kind of fast tracking myself into making that income stream solid as a freelancer to be honest that makes so much sense. Now, I'm interested because you have niched down, and so you are writing everything you've, well, not everything, but a lot of your projects are around the sailing and yachting sort of industry. How important do you think it is for someone who's looking to, to travel, but also find gigs on the side, freelance or whatever? How important do you think it is to niche down into a particular sector? Um, I think it, it, if, you're, if, you have, um, yeah, if you have a mind that is kind of a bit all over the place, as mine is, being in a niche can be a mechanism to focus as well. That's the thing for me. It's so yes, it is important unless you want to be um, trying to capture all of the, an enormous market. It's not going to work. Niche, niche is niche is probably something that I haven't really thought that much about, but that's what's helped me um, forge a forge a path um, and build up a contact base. I haven't really thought about that that much before, but yeah, it's pretty crucial. I would have thought. I think what's cool you were telling us before we hit record. You were telling me about uh, your new project, and you talk about flexibility a lot. Um, and uh, and so you were talking about buying a house in Salisbury and renovating it, which means that you're going to be there for a little while. Is that right? Yeah, it's probably the most long-term thing that we've done with my partner, Alice. Um, uh, it's probably the most long-term thing we've, we've done, and it in, involves a degree of kind of um, committing to a place for a period of time that's not that usual. It did feel right after the pandemic. Um, and when we were... We, we were in the Caribbean, uh, running a yacht in the Caribbean when the pandemic uh, happened. And then um, we ended up catching the last flight out of Grenada back to the UK, literally the last plane that left. And um, like a lot of people, our world was kind of turning its head and it did feel right to put down some roots. Um, that is in the UK. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm already aware of is that I need to make sure that that fixed base is flexible so it can be rented out. And I can go back to to traveling and working um, in the future. So even that has a kind of game plan in that um, whilst I'm making it at home, I'm also making sure that I've I've renovated it in a way that it would could easily be rented out short or long term, um, and it can be parked. It's not it's not a burden, you know. I, I think any of these things that restrict you to one place, whether it be a a full time job or a or a property or um, or, or actually lifestyle decisions about having children or having, you know, uh, having a pet or anything like that. If they have to be active decisions rather than the ones that you um, fall into. 
um, about what's right because with a dog, you, you guys have got a dog and that involves commitment and, you know, even that can make decisions for you. So it's about actively making decisions about what you, how you want to shape that, that, that lifestyle to, to be able to keep on moving and keep on working. What I like, and, and I'm going to use as a soundbite, is I was on a yacht in the Caribbean when the pandemic struck. That's such a cool thing to be able to say about your life. I love it. Yeah, but again, I, 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 that's immediately countered with, and I, I've do, been doing this for seven years, which is um, having to explain that. And then realize, and then people, and then realizing the person on the other side, if they're not familiar with the industry, doesn't realize that that means working. <laughs> it's work. Uh, I've worked in lots of hot places that are, you know, kind of holiday destinations and stuff like that. Um, and that's not to negate it because amazing experiences, another mechanism to incredible travel experiences. But it's work. And just before I caught that flight back out of the Caribbean, I was extremely stressed out covered in kind of engine oil and um you know in ridiculous heat working up until like two in the morning to 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 get things sorted whilst the all hell was breaking loose with the pandemic and we were hoping we could get on the plane so yeah i'm kind of um always careful about how i i explain that because it's for me sailing has always been a mechanism to adventure but it's also always been work with a professional kind of thing to it yeah so talking of sailing and aviation you've built something um, a, a site, do you say it's a site also or a business around the logbooks? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's really, it's really very niche. And I think in the pandemic, I had a bit of time to do some, something more creative and um, yeah, really niche. So on, um, on yachts and on, and uh, in aviation, there's lots of, everyone has a logbook, which is kind of an official record of what they, they're doing, whether it's a pilot's logbook, Pilots all keep logbooks. Um, yachts all have a logbook. It's a legal document. And um, there wasn't a, a product of a sufficient standard um, to, to, to match to match what was else was available in the industry. So I kind of went on a, a deep dive about how to make a really good published book, um, how, to, how to print, how to marble. I haven't done any of that work myself. I found people that are really good at it. And, um, yeah, built a little creative side hustle making uh, a product, a physical product that I can sell within an industry that I know pretty well. Um, and it, it's been, it is still a side hustle, I would say, but it's a really interesting experiment and I've never built a kind of brand before. And so that's been a really interesting project. Yeah. Um, and I've got a lot of pleasure out of it and it's also, you know, kept those relationships in the industry alive too. Um, when, whilst travels, when travel has been not that easy. I think you've used this word experiment quite a lot and I and I love this idea and I think that anyone listening who does want to to travel or live abroad for a bit or um, nomad around Thailand or whatever it is that we're allowed to do when uh, when all the restrictions lift finally um, I think it's important to remember this idea of experiment um, nothing's in stone uh, Leanne and I uh, we, when we when we travel we go right we're coming here for three months and we don't know where we're going to go there was a one point we were traveling every two weeks is that we'd land somewhere had no idea which country we were going to be in in sort of 15 yeah. days time so i think that's really really important and so if you're listening and you do want to come and do uh do sort of a life a little bit like a, like world analysis or minor leanne's then don't say i'm moving abroad permanently or i'm going here just say it's an experiment and just see what happens yeah it's it's i think i think i think um quite a few people have talked about how play is 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 important and i'm not sure that's 
quite the right word for it, but you have to um, be a little bit childlike in, in, in this kind of game and pivot and flex and roll with the punches. And some people are naturally have a personality that can do that. But I do believe that once you step away from conventional work and you realize that if you're open-minded and inherently flexible, you will actually see more opportunities on the horizon because your eyes are much more, more wide open. Um, then um, you'll be able to take advantage of your freedom much, much better than if you're focused on one thing and um, blinkered to what possibilities are out there. You'll also meet more people and, and, and build better networks, which is one of the hardest parts of doing this, I think. I think that's probably the unspoken truth is that it's very hard to build networks whilst you're traveling. So let me ask yeah. you finally then. Um, so if you were going back to young Will before he started traveling, and you were able to talk to him and give him some advice. What advice might you give yourself before you started traveling? Probably uh, stay flexible um, and try and see it as a mechanism to travel and have an adventure as well as work and keep a balance and try and be objective and step back of regularly and, and say to myself, well, is this actually what I went into it for? Because I think it, it, I, I've definitely at times gone down the road of, of um, you know, it's work as well and you get caught up in it. And sometimes you lose track of what you actually did for in the first place. And it's, it's important to, to, to be realist, realistic, um, especially with people that are listening and say that it can be uh, just as tough as work, conventional work and, and work at a, you know, at a desk in a normal job. And you're negotiating those things on your own. So you need to give yourself a bit of a break and just kind of, yeah, step back from it, look at it, make sure you're, you're, you're going the right way. Yeah. Brilliant. So before you go, is there any question around earning money abroad while you travel or earning money while you travel? Um, is there any question I haven't asked that you think I should have done? Probably what is the, uh, the, the, the kind of base sum that you should, should leave with? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, a strict, not the sum, not the figure actually, but... Um, whether you whether you you are safety conscious and careful and, and have a, an amount of money in in the bank before you go, um, because I think that I I at times haven't had that on a couple of occasions. I can think of where I've had to really hustle to to to, and I've been able to. It's, it's always surprised me how I can get online and I can find work somehow. It's it's amazing, but that's where the stress comes in that's where you stop pivoting and that's where you stop living the 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 benefits of 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 that that life so having a little bit of cash in the bank not a lot of money to as a as a backstop um will keep you moving and keep you flexible um and and i'm I'm really not talking about a lot i'm talking about put a few thousand pounds in the bank before you leave and then just go (laughs) yeah brilliant advice absolutely brilliant well, that's been fantastic. Really, really enjoyed our chat. There's been loads and loads of gold there. Um, and, okay, uh, pleasure. We'll hopefully be having a beer soon. Yeah, that would be great in person. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right. Just very cool. Very, both of them. Um, so the, the sort of key takeaways, it seemed to be, was that he was almost saying that you should live a portfolio life in that each year is like a, is, is like a project. And so you don't have to commit for more than a year and there's nothing wrong with going back to your home country for another year. Like he's renovating that house at the moment Um, and that's a project for him. And he may decide next year when it's finished, he's going to stay there. He may rent it out and disappear off somewhere else again. 
And I love that, just chapters of your life. Yeah. I've heard other people speak. In, in fact, it might have even been Gino DeCampo on This Morning, which is a very <laughs> odd reference. If you're from the UK, you'll be like, what the fuck? If you're not, you'll be like, what the fuck? But <laughs> see, I think he, he did talk about that. And in terms of like just chapters of your life, like things come to a natural end or you make a decision to start something new. And that's cool. That's fine. We have portfolio careers. You can have a portfolio life. I think the overarching message I'd like to maybe say in terms of when it comes to making money is it yes there's the gig economy you're going to figure out ways to do it whether it's writing for a little while whether it's working as you travel uh, whether it's it's you know working in a remote job there are many different ways to do it but I think the key is and one of the questions if you're if you're a digital nomad or you know a digital nomad somebody in that community the question that comes up all the time on the forums which always gets the conversation going is how do you make money as a digital nomad mm. well very few people do because unless you're an influencer in the digital nomad community you're not making money by being a digital nomad mm. you have transferred what it is you do as a profession to do online which then facilitates the lifestyle of being a digital nomad digital nomad isn't a lifestyle it's a lifestyle it's not a career so i think if you're really sitting there and thinking oh how do i make money especially now post pandemic where so many people particularly in professional services or education or or things like that have proven that they can do their job remotely start by thinking how can i do either what i already do or what i love remotely and Absolutely. if you can answer that question, then you're gold. Preach, sister. Absolutely. And I think that saying, I'm going to go off and I'm going to become a digital nomad living in Mexico, and I will also start a freelance writing business if you've never written before. Well, that's a frightening thing because you're starting a job and a life, and both of those have got to go well. And and let's be honest, in that scenario, you're a backpacker with a side hustle, aren't you? Good point. Which is nothing wrong with that, but no. you're probably not our audience. But I think with that as well, it puts a lot of pressure on your new adventure and your new choices to work. And it also adds in so many more variables as to why that lifestyle might not work out. Mm -hmm. Was it all about money? Was it that it wasn't consistent? Was it it wasn't enough? Was it that actually being self-employed wasn't for you? It brings in so many different variables to, that are going to confuse your assessment of whether living and working abroad is for you. If you can just rule that out, then it might be you've got a great remote job, you can do it anywhere in the world and you're still not feeling it, then at least you know it's a lifestyle and not the work, you know? It's a really, really good point. Um, I think there's very few people in the world um, who can decide to go and live in Bali and live on the beach. And in fact, even if you did, that might be the dream for you. You might be thinking, oh, all I want to do is sit on the beach and drink cocktails. Well, if you're drunk at two o'clock in the afternoon, then you're probably going to be hanging around with other people who are drunk at two o'clock in the afternoon, which will be very, well, in our experience, because some very strange people get drunk. Mm. We get drunk at two o'clock in the afternoon on occasion. Work allowing. Work allowing. But uh, yeah, you need something. You need something. And it should be something that you are either good at or you're very passionate about and willing to learn. Anyway, so shall we leave it there for the moment? I think so, because we're going to pick up this topic again next week, aren't we? So we don't want to talk too much. We want to give you all of our secrets and tips no. at this point. But yeah, next week we'll chat maybe a little bit more about our personal, <clears throat> horrible word, journeys. Yeah. In terms, yeah, I'm sorry. In terms of, of how we've transitioned our, our work from being... Um, 
static in the UK to being remote and online. Um, and to give you even more inspiration, um, Al's got another interview. Who are you talking to next week, Al? A guy called David McNeil. Uh, really, really good guy. Great guest. Um, the nerd in me tells you he was great audio as well. Amazing audio. He had a proper microphone and everything, which was cool. Well, David has his own podcast as well, doesn't he? Yes, he also has his own podcast, Expat Empires, um, or Empire, if you Google that. And he's got a website, Expat Empire, which I'll put a link to it. But I think you're going to really enjoy this because he's actually got a very different journey to us. Um, I'll use that word journey again. <laughs> um, and uh, I think you'll enjoy that. So look out next week for that episode. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay, stay clear of anyone who's sneezing or coughing. COVID's yeah, it's all out to get you. Yeah, tasty again, isn't it? It is a little bit. But yeah, stay safe, everyone. Wear a mask. It does help. Yeah. There we go. There's some opinions from the Sideways Life <laughs> headquarters. Okay, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Talking of getting tasty, it's getting tasty in history right now, isn't it? I know. I think it's the highest it's ever been, you know. We were all smug back in the summer, weren't we? <laughs> we were so smug. Mm, Not in the anymore. Ass now.